0: Hey, I want to encourage you to uh, allow the book of Galatians to wash over you in these next few weeks, and it's important that, that we don't just read it together in our weekly scripture reading that we're going to be doing throughout this series, but it's important that, that in your own time with God, when you're stuck in traffic that you are allowing the word of God to wash over you. And so lean in with us again, just like what Pastor Chris said, that if you need a Bible, we've got Bibles for you, okay? You can download a Bible on your phone. It's totally free. It even has an audio feature where you can have somebody with a really sweet accent like Greg read it to you. Every single day. Anybody else frustrated that people with accents just sound like they're, they're just better than everybody else? You know, I mean, like I've read Galatians 1 probably about 100 times this week. I'm like, dang, it just never felt that good. You put a South African up there, you're just like, oh, gosh, man. It's... But, but here's, my, here's my goal for us over these next few weeks. Psalms 119, 105. Your word, speaking of the word of God, your word is a lamp for my feet. And a light on my path. And my prayer is that over these next few weeks, as we lean into this book, that that light, that lamp gets brighter and brighter. Amen? Now, I also just kind of want to push a little pastor time out and say how cool was last week. If you you weren't here last week, there was only one person excited about Celebration Sunday. I'm going to do it. Hey, yeah. Look, we, we started a little differently. You know, it was a little bit more somber, you know, reading the Bible, but we're still the same people, we? are a partying people. All right, so last week we had Celebration Sunday. Anybody else excited, thankful for what God did? Yeah, okay, it's a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. The rain, the rain came from people tuning in online, but I'm, I'm assuming you're shouting down your TV right now. But look, here's the thing. It is always good to remind yourself that God is moving. And, and, and so here's, here's what we have for you. We have those little cards that you, you see them in the front of your seat. We call them our connect cards, our prayer and praise cards. If you're watching online, there's, an, there's a, a, some way, somehow, I'm not technical, but, but there is a way for you to fill out one of those cards online too. Just click around. I'm sure you'll find it. And, and here's the thing. If God is doing something in your life, we want to know about it because we want to celebrate with you. The power of last week was we were celebrating together stories of salvation, redemption, restoration, and it just does something in your spirit, and we want to celebrate with you. So take some time and fill that out. And if you are in a situation in your life where you have a need, we want you to fill out that prayer point because we pray for every single one of these cards, and we have faith in our heart. Maybe you're exhausted. You don't even have any more faith. We have faith on your behalf that that prayer will turn into a praise. Amen. And so would you take some time, if you have a need, to write that down, if there's something that God has done in your life, to write it down and drop it, give it to somebody in the connect space or the offering, and you, you just let us know what God's doing because we love to celebrate. Now, I want you're probably already there, but I want you to go and look at Galatians 1 again. And what we're going to be leaning into uh, specifically within this first chapter is Galatians 6. In Galatians 7, chapter 1, verse 6... And seven, Because they really hold within them so much of what Paul, who is the author of Galatians, will be diving into, not just in this chapter, but really in the entire book. And if you're new to the Bible or or just need a little review, the book of Galatians is an actual letter that was written by this dude named Paul, this church planner back in the day, the apostle of apostles, to bring some clarity and direction to the church that was in Galatians. All right. Now, if we could summarize what we're going to see over and over again. So I'm going to show you my cards. This is what we're going to see over and over again over these next six weeks is that Paul was reminding the people of Galatians over and over about the liberating freedom found in relationship with Jesus. That is the theme of the book of Galatians, that there is a liberating freedom that is found in relationship with Jesus. That that in Jesus, we're no longer bound to the consequences of our lack of ability to follow what was given to the people of God, which we call the law. Now, the law is basically a list. It's a list of things we do and a list of things that we don't do. And it was given to the people of God as a roadmap of how they were to live. And under these laws, our standing with God was connected to what we did or didn't do. But when Jesus came, what Jesus did in his life and his death and his resurrection, he fulfilled. Filled, the Bible says, the righteous requirements of the law so that in him we can be forgiven of our sin and our sin are the areas in our life where it has fallen short of heaven's perfection. And we can walk, let this land on you, we can walk in the grace of God because of what he did in light of what we could not do. And the intent of God from the beginning of time was that we would have relationship with him. And what the law actually revealed was our need for a savior for that desire to happen because we fall short in our depravity of the standards of heaven here on earth. And Jesus said this in Matthew five seventeen do not think I have come to abolish the law. Don't think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Meaning that we are not free from the standard of heaven, but in receiving Jesus, we are free from the consequences of our brokenness in light of the standard of heaven. Our relationship with God has moved us from a list of things that we should do and things we should not do. And it's an invitation for us to walk with Jesus and allow Jesus to shape what we do. The book of Galatians is a declaration of freedom and liberation from the traps of sin in our lives and the human tendency to turn relationship with God into a religion. Now, I want to define for us what I mean by religion in this context, because it can be confusing because we say that word and at times mean different things. And so for us, as we're walking through the book of Galatians, when we say religion or the spirit of religion or the religious, what we're saying is, is that there has been a shift from joyfully being obedient to what God has called us to, which is living a transformed life. And we have shifted to. To, to simply trying to do the right thing and abstaining from the wrong ones. That, that, that's what religion And when, when we talk about the spirit of religion, it's when we get more focused on dealing with looking good on the outside when there's nothing good happening on the inside. Jesus would refer to the religious of his day as whitewashed tombs. You're clean on the outside, but there's death On the inside, it's focusing on looking saved versus living saved. Am I talking to anybody today? Hear me, religion does not transform us, relationship with Jesus does. Are you hearing me? R- relationship does not transform us. Re- or, excuse me. Religion does not transform us. Relationship with Jesus does. Joyfully being obedient to what God has called us to will transform us. And Paul's intent for the Galatians, and for us today, is that we would respond to the invitation of relationship with God and be liberated from the traps of sin and draw to and drawn to simply look like we love God and. So Instead of actually living like we love God. And in Galatians 1 verse 6, Paul says this, I am astonished. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in grace of Christ and are turning to a different Gospel. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Now listen to these words, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, now tell me if this doesn't sound like 2021. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion. In trying to pervert The gospel Of Christ When, when I was in college uh, I had the privilege Of picking up one of the speakers for the World Mandate Conference that we do every year. How many of you have been to World Mandate, heard about World Mandate? Uh, we're, we're going to World Mandate this year, actually, in Waco. So we're going to take a whole crew, and we're going to cruise up to Waco. It's going to be a blast. We want to invite you to be a part of that. But the World Mandate Conference is something that Antioch does across the entire Antioch movement of churches, where it is one weekend where we stop and we obsess about God's love for us and his purpose for our lives. And I was actually just had graduated from college, and so I was working for Antioch at the time in the college ministry. I was like the associate to the associate college pastor, you know, like the pizza getter. And so I uh, was so fired up to actually have a real job to go pick up one of these speakers that I absolutely had adored from afar, and I was gonna get to drive this man from the airport in Dallas to his hotel in Waco. I had questions, I had things to pick his brain about. I had lines I had rehearsed to impress him. I had all of these things lined out. Now, here's the thing, right? This was pre-GPSs on your phone, okay? This didn't exist yet. And so getting to the airport is simple because there are signs to get you to the airport. You know what I'm talking about? You just follow the the green airplane sign. You just keep exiting with the airplane. You're going to end up there. The problem was is that I had no idea how to get back home. And everything's going great, man. I meet this guy. I'm on time. Everything's awesome. I, I, you know, we, we get his bag. We, we, go, we make it to my car. and We get all lined up and, and we're leaving the airport. And I, I start hitting him with my questions, my, my little one-liners I had been rehearsing. So, you know, and, and you know, so, I, so I could prove to him I've read in his books and all these different things, right? And then we come to this four-option exit and I'm like, I have no idea. So, you know, I can't acknowledge that I'm lost. I'm trying to impress this dude. You know what I mean? So I just go with my gut. How many of you have ever, like, you, you have a sense of direction in you, you know? And so I just went with my gut. I'm like, you know what? That feels good. Right feels good. And so everything's going great, man. I'm faking it until I make it. It's, it's rad. And we're, we're having a great time. And I'm talking to the guy and I'm asking my questions. And everything's fine for about 30 minutes until... All of the sudden, we are forced to re-enter the airport. (laughs) And and so now the cat's out of the bag. This this dude knows I have no idea where we're at. And he's like, wow, are we having to enter the airport? And this is what I said. I didn't own up to it. What I said was, yeah, man, I don't know, man. Dallas is weird, man. They make you do this. They, They make you loop it. And so we looped the airport a couple of times until we found the right exit. I I eventually got him to his hotel, just as Chris Padgett would say, a couple few hours longer than it should have taken us. But, But here's the thing. I was so confused because I trusted my gut. And when my gut ended up being wrong, I didn't know what to trust. I was convinced for that first 30 minutes that I was heading in the right direction. If you would have asked me, are you lost? I would have said, no, this feels right. Until it didn't. Paul says, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel which is really no gospel at all evidently some people are throwing you into confusion you know we get confused when what we feels what feels right ends up not being right have have you that's what confusion is. Like you, you think you're heading in the right direction, and then all of a sudden you're not. You think you know where something is, and it's not there. You know, like for me, it's no-show socks. You've probably noticed I, I wear no-show socks every single day. I have a ton of them until my children started wearing no-show socks, and now I'm just confused what has happened to my socks because they used to be in my sock drawer and now they're not. And it's confusing because when you think something's supposed to be there and it's not there, things get disorienting. We can't focus when we're confused. We can't make clear decisions because we don't know what we can trust. And what Paul is saying is that there is a draw in us that's trying to pull us from what he defines as a true gospel towards different gospels which is actually not a gospel at all. And the confusion that the church in Galatians was feeling was fueled by people that called themselves Christians, but they had put something besides Jesus in the center of the story of redemption for mankind. They had departed from joyfully, fully being obedient to simply trying to do right things and stay away from wrong things. They were claiming to be right with God, to be in good standing with God, that it wasn't just that you needed to confess that Jesus is Lord, to repent of your sins and to turn from your wicked ways. These different gospels that were flying around then and honestly still now was leading to confusing confusion because they were saying that there must be more. It can't simply just be believing in Jesus and who he is and, and what he did and what that means for our lives, that there must be more. For the Galatians, the loudest voice in this argument for them that was stirring so much confusion was a group called the Judaizers. And and the Judaizers were this extreme Jewish faction within the church that taught that non-Jews had to submit to Jewish laws and traditions in addition to believing in Jesus to be saved. They had added to the true gospel and therefore to quote Paul, it is no gospel at all. And before we go any further, let me clearly define for us what the true gospel is. Because it's not just foundational for this talk. It's foundational for our faith. This is the true gospel. It is the good news that God saves sinners. We all by nature are sinful and that sin that is in all of us separates us from God with no hope or way of escape. But God by his power and grace provided a way of escape from the death and the separation from God that our actions have earned us, that we deserve because of the things that we have done, because of the things that we think, because of the things that we still do, and man's redemption is and only is in the life, death, and burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. The true gospel is that Jesus rescued us from the death that we deserve and made a way for us to be saved and transformed. That is, is the true gospel. It is imperative for us and for the Galatians that we understand that anything, anything that adds to this as a part of man's standing with God Man's justification in the eyes of God or preaches anything that puts something other than Jesus and his salvation of mankind in the sinner, is a false gospel. For the Galatians, this was around, as I said, non-Jewish people feeling like they needed to act like Jews because they could, before they could be fully Saved. They were told that they needed to get circumcised. They needed to wear this. They needed to go to this celebration, this festival, this custom. They needed to follow these rules. And what Paul was saying is that none of those things are connected to how God sees you. The true gospel is that God saves sinners through what Jesus did on the cross in his death. Burial and resurrection. So when anyone or anything is added to the gospel or says that God actually saves sinners through doing this over here or making a lot of good works happen that outweigh your bad works or obeying these customs. And and what's getting loud for us today is, is, is this idea that we need a new belief system about who God is and the intent of God and his purpose for the church. And what these things do is actually pull us away from the true gospel. Because if you put anything, anything in the middle of God's story for redemption and transformation other than Jesus, it is counterfeit. It is no gospel at all. Ephesians 2 verse eight puts it this way, for it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Hear me, true salvation leads to total transformation. True salvation leads to total transformation, meaning there is real change that happens in us when we receive Jesus into our life. And how we live does not determine if we are loved by God, How we live reveals if we love God. Can I say that again? How we live does not determine if we are loved by God. God loves you. But how we live does reveal what or who we love. The byproduct of salvation is transformation. And and, and look, when when we experience real transformation in our lives, we will begin to do things that we did not do before. We're going to like things that we didn't like before. We're going to not like things that we did like before because you can't meet the living God and not be changed. And so there's going to be things that begin to stir in you and desires are going to begin to be birthed in you that were not there before. Them in and of themselves are not religion. But when we start to view them as our source to God seeing us, then they are perverted and therefore they are no true gospel at all. We will experience transformation and we will experience change in our lives and we will start living in a rhythm that maybe feels new and different. That rhythm can be helpful and not hurtful if that rhythm is designed to point you to relationship and not a list. Like the steps, we have a rhythm for life around here. We call them the steps, right? Encounter God, spend time with God. Matter, touch something that touches other people. Belong, don't just attend. Grow, get healed up and become something that God has called you to be. And then build that desire to walk in those steps is not gonna be there before you experience a transformation of salvation. But walking in those steps is going to help the transformation process happen in your heart. That rhythm is birthed in a transformed heart and mind. But hear me, these things grow us, but these things don't save us. Are you hearing me? They grow us. They're going to grow you in God. They're going to move you forward in your life, but they're not going to save you. The true gospel is the only thing that will save you. Look, I know that you've probably had nobody come up to you ever and ask you if you're circumcised, if you're saved. <laughs> all right, we're going to run into circumcision all over the book of Galatians. And, 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 you, and you could be like, man, we don't ask that question anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, it, like that doesn't come up. You know, that, that, that's not our fight. But let me tell you, there, there, there are some weird Christian rules that still exist. That, that's not our weird one. But we've got a couple other weird ones, like how about drums in church? Ooh, that was a big one in the 90s. Ooh, how can you preach the true gospel? You're going to let drums, the heartbeat of the devil? Right, how about, how about playing cards? Any recovering Baptist in the house? How about playing cards? Look, my, my granny used to tell me, ooh, don't you play cards because that's the devil's hands work. I'm like, we're just playing spades, granny. What, you talking about some evil thing is going to jump out this deck of cards when I'm playing spades? What you talking about? That don't make no sense. Right? What about dancing? Oh, like some evil spirit's going to get up on you when you dance. No, man. Like what you talking about? That's weird. That, that's our version of weird Christian rules that are not biblical, but we feel like if we do them, then we're going to be in better standing with God. Look, insert your weird Christian rule. You have one. Everybody has one. Yours might be drinking. Oh, man, don't even sip that nectar. And then you read the New Testament, and you're like, oh, dang, Jesus seemed to drink a lot. <laughs> right? Or what about rated R movies? This is, a, this, was, this is one that gets a lot of people. Ooh, you're not saved if you watch a rated R movie. Then Mel Gibson comes out with The Passion of the Christ, which is rated R, and you're not saved unless you see that movie. And so then we're all, we're all confused. Right. The, you know why? Because we're all drawn to list over relationship. It's easier for me to know what to do and not to do than to live so close with Jesus that I'm talking to him about what I should do. And we get so caught up in trying to look saved that we don't even live saved. And we, we, read the, we read the New Testament, and we hear about Jesus talking about these religious people, and we're like, oh, man, we don't have Pharisees anymore. Are you sure? Are you sure? Because, man, there are some very, there are some very religious attitudes that lives in all of us because it is huma- human nature to be drawn to a set of do's and don'ts than to walk in an intimate relationship. What Paul is pulling us into in Galatians 1 is that we have to obsess about the true gospel. That God saves sinners like me and God saves sinners like you. And through the perfect life of his son, Jesus, his death and resurrection, that is it. We are saved. So if you hear or encounter a version of the gospel and culture today that adds to or takes away or puts anything other than Jesus at the center of it, it's no gospel at all. Listen to Paul in Galatians 1, verse 9. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than what you have accepted, let them be under God's curse. And then listen to verse 10. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Don't miss that almost 100% of the time, we take the bait of false gospels, of unbiblical belief systems, not because we just all of a sudden are, are deceived. No, we're pulled there because we're looking for approval from people and not heaven. Look, this, this is why when you look at history, the birth of new interpretations of what the Bible says and who Jesus really was and what the church should look like and be about often follows the trends and tensions in culture. Why? Because the draw to be liked can be strong. The draw to be accepted can be strong when cultural opposition can be so intense. Don't forget the true gospel is that God saves sinners and the fruit of the true gospel in our lives is transformation. So hear me, anything that we take out, anytime we take out transformation from the fruit of salvation, there's no need for us to be changed we haven't encountered the God of the Bible. And this is why it's not a coincidence that the LGBTQ plus conversation, which is not new, was talked about in the Bible. It's not new, but its effects on the church's belief system is new. The early church did not ask the questions that many of us are asking today and dealing with the very same issue. Why? Why? Because the draw to be liked can be strong when cultural opposition can be so intense. We also see this happening in this movement within the church, and it has so many different names that I'm gonna define it for us, but for the sake of our conversation, I'm gonna use the most commonly referred to phrase, and it's called the social gospel. The problem is not a desire to see the church be the hands and feet of Jesus. That's beautiful. It's exactly who we are. We're the hands and feet of Jesus that we're to lead out in doing justice and showing mercy. That, that's, that is who we are. The problem is, is that the focus of this belief construct reorients the aim of the church from proclaiming the true gospel. And shifts us to what many call an ethnocentric gospel that's been constructed by a collective view of theologians and philosophers. Which means this, that we are to apply our own culture or ethnicity as the frame of reference to judge other cultures or practices, behaviors and beliefs and people. Instead of using the standards of a particular culture involved. What this is saying is, is that my experience is my lens for the Bible versus my Bible as a lens for my experience. That's what this is. The message found in this belief system is that the goal, the chief aim of the church is to seek justice for all those who have been oppressed. I would say that that is not wrong but that is a byproduct of the true gospel living in people's lives. But the mission of the church, the chief aim of the church is to preach the true gospel. And, and when the true gospel is received, it leads to transformation. It transforms us. Kingdom things start to live in us. We start doing things we didn't do before like love our neighbor, like care for the poor, like take in orphans that be there for widows. Those things are put in us. They were a byproduct of the salvation of Jesus coming and rescuing a sinner like me and giving me a new life that I don't deserve. When that happens, it's going to put in me desires. But when those desires become my aim and not the gospel good things can take us to bad places and it might feel right just like when I'm leaving the airport it felt right to go right but what I felt ended up not being right this is why we have to know the true gospel we have to obsess about the true gospel. Seeking justice might help some people, but seeking justice will not transform people. The true gospel is the only thing that transforms people. Are you with me? Can I say that again? Social, seeking justice, it might help some people, but seeking justice is not going to transform people. The true gospel transforms people. And look, I just want you to see that even good desires start to break down when anything but the true gospel is put at the center of God's heart for us on earth. And to quote Paul, it's no gospel at all. To draw, to add, or to take away from the true gospel, to be acceptable, to culture, to be more relevant to where people are today will lead us down a road that might feel right for a season, but will only lead to confusion. So let us be those who do not quickly desert the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and they're trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Let us be those who stand on the true gospel. The message that God came to save sinners like me, like you, from the things in us that have earned us death and separation from God. And the good news of the gospel is that we all can come to the throne room of grace with confidence because of what Jesus has done, regardless of what we have done. I want you to stand to your feet.